in Luke chapter 6, if you'll turn your Bibles there. And uh, for those of you, I just want to remind you that uh, we're in the book of Luke. Now, the Bible is one book with 66 books inside of it. The first book is the book of Genesis, and that's the tells us how he started the human race with Adam and Eve and how he started the Hebrew race with Abraham and Sarah. It's the first of 66 books. Now, the first 39 books were written before Jesus came. And then the last part of our Bible is called the New Testament. That was written after Jesus went back to heaven. All of the Bible teaches us how can sinners like us be reconciled with a God who's not a sinner. See, God's holy. And no one in this room can claim that they're perfect. And they're not. Because all have sinned. And all of us come short of the glory of God. Now, there may be some better sinners than others if we started to compare ourselves to one another. But no one can say, I'm just as perfect as Jesus. All of us come short of what it means to go to heaven on our own. And religion can't take you to heaven. This church can save no one. There may be people getting baptized, remember, that water won't wash away anyone's sin. You don't go to heaven because you're better than somebody else. Because on the best day of our life, we still think things. We say things. We do things that are sin and wrong against the holy God. And we cannot come into his presence in our own righteousness. We have to have a covering. And God provided that covering when he sent Jesus Christ. The main theme of the Bible is how can we as sinners be reconciled with God? Now, every road of life leads to God. It doesn't matter what you believe, what your paradigm or philosophy is. One day, the Bible's very clear, everyone will stand before a holy God. But only one road leads to eternal life with him. And God is not willing that anyone would be separated from him forever. He made you, but he wants to live forever with you. But you cannot go on your own. You'll have to come through his way. And his way is Jesus. That's why the Bible says, he that hath the Son, Jesus Christ, has everlasting life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have everlasting life. And so that was a wonderful day in my life when someone asked me, John, do you know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? I didn't know. But that took me to a place where someone loved me and took the Bible and explained to me very clearly how I could know for sure that my sins were forgiven, how I could know for sure that when I died, I'd go to heaven. And if you're here today and you're not sure about that, please don't leave those doors. Don't walk out without letting someone show you from the Bible how you could be saved. It was the very best day of my life. And now I've had to share it, have had the opportunity to share it with hundreds of other people. And they too have come to know what it means to have forgiveness of sin and to have, uh, have their sins forgiven and reconciliation to God. And I want to encourage you to let someone explain that to you today. We're in Luke chapter 6, if you would please uh, go back there. And let me just give you a little bit of background. The book of Luke, he was a medical, uh, medical physician. He was a doctor. And he, God used him to write two books of the Bible. Now, all the Bible is written by inspiration of God. God writes all of the Bible, but he did use human instruments. He used 40 different people to write the Bible. Just like I wrote some letters this morning with this pen. But uh, when people get the, the letter, they'll not say, well, that pen wrote me a great letter. No, because the pen is just an instrument. 
It, 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 it was what I used. I moved it to say what I wanted to say. And we believe God wrote the Bible in the same way. He put the Bible. It's his word. That's why there's no contradictions. That's why it all blends together. And it's 1,600 years from the time the first person wrote the Bible until the last person, and there's no contradictions. Why? Because you have one author, and that author is God. But he used humans. Well, Luke was a physician, and he was used of God to research and to put in the Word of God about Jesus in Luke chapter number 6. Well, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is going about. He has already been born, obviously, of a virgin. He has grown up in the, in the city of Nazareth. He's 30 years old. He gets baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, who has, who has been used of God to promote his coming. And uh, now he has fasted 40 days, 40 nights. After that, he goes about to his hometown, and, and he, he tells them, look, I, I, I am the one that Isaiah 61 predicted I would be. I'm one. I'm the Messiah. And they didn't like it. Matter of fact, they tried to they tried to to destroy him right there. They tried to throw him off a cliff. He left that home city and he went on to some other places. And one by one, over the next several months, he picked out twelve men who specifically would be apostles. There were many people who followed him, but he picked out twelve that he would ordain that they would be with him, and he would send them forth to preach. He has picked them out. And he gives their names in Luke chapter 6. You can read them later. There were two Simons and two Jameses and two Judases. And, and uh, some of them are brothers. And even John and James, most people believe that Jesus and him, uh, them, were cousins, blood covenant. They were cousins together, married. Their two mothers were sisters. And uh, they were sons of Zebedee. I don't know that that's absolutely sure, but many people believe that. But nonetheless, these 12 men spent their next three and a half years with Jesus learning his thinking. And right out of the bat, he gives them the rest of chapter 6. He gives them what we call his Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. It may have been given the same time that he gave Matthew 5, 6, and 7, or it might have been given at a different time, but a similar message. Every once in a while, a pastor will ask to, be, ask to go somewhere to preach, and I will preach, the, I will preach something there. And then they'll, they'll say, Pastor, why don't you come over here and preach that here? Well, and I will preach the same message. Maybe a few things would be different, but it would be the general truth that I would say to this people I said in Lima, Peru, I might also give this in Wisconsin as well. But this is maybe a different time. But he goes through and he says, now, you're my disciples. You're my people. We think differently. I want you to think differently in this world. We're, we're, we live in the same world. We breathe the same oxygen. And the air we breathe, we have the same sunshine on our cheeks, we have the same uh, resources in our world, but I want you to be different than this world system. Matter of fact, in the book of Romans, he says, be not conformed to this world, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, Christians are sinners. Christians are not perfect, but we march to the beat of a different drum. We are not in, in, into the vein, into the flow of this world. We're not supposed to be. We're supposed to think differently than the world. And he begins to tell them how they will think differently. If you'll look just, just real quick by way of review, would you look at chapter 6 and verse number uh, 20? And he lifted up his eyes and said to his disciples, blessed, ye, blessed be the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't sound good. 
We don't want anybody to be poor, and no one wants to be poor. <laughs> but he said, look, those of you who are disadvantaged, don't worry about it. This is this world. You can have blessings in the next world if, if, that, if, that, if God uses your difficult time to help others. Look at the next verse. If you look at verse 21, blessed are ye that hunger now. I don't like to be hungry. How many of you like to be hungry? For ye shall be filled. There is a time when you'll be full. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. He said, maybe some folks are disadvantaged in this life, but God can use it for eternal purposes. Some might be uh, discomforted or distressed in this life, but he said, it's okay. If I can use it for your glory, for God's glory, you'll be glad in time to come. Look at the next one, verse 22. Blessed are ye when men hate you, and when they shall separate from you, and you get, you get detested or devalued or despised. He said, and they cast out evil for your sake. Look at verse number 23. What can you do if, if you're a child of God and sometimes you get some negative um, publicity or some negative rejection? Rejoice ye in that day and leap for what? And behold, your reward is great where? In heaven. For in like manner did they, did their fathers unto the prophets. He said, look, remember, I don't want you to put all your eggs in the same basket of this life. I want you to think about eternity. There are some things that are not comfortable now, but they're good for eternity. You can, our, our philosophy in the world is to get all you can, can all you get, sit in your can and tell people how much you have in your can. But that's not God's way. God said, you know, I'm not, I'm not so interested. You're only going to live here for 60, 70, 80 years. You need to be thinking about eternity. What's best for eternity, not what's best for now. He's reminding his people, I want you to think about eternal things. I want you to think about things you can't see right now, but you will enjoy. Someone says, I've got a lot of interest in eternity. That's where I'm going to spend the rest of my time. But boy, everything in this world, Satan, society says, uh, live it up. Whatever feels good right now, you do it. This is all there is. Go for the high life. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, no, 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 no. It's okay if in this life you're disadvantaged, there's an eternal purpose. It's okay if this life you have some difficult times. We're not talking about now, we're talking about eternity. And most of us, this rubs us wrong. I don't like it. I love comfort. I love convenience. I love ease. I don't like pain. I may be allergic to it. But when I have pain or discomfort, I want to get out of that as soon as possible. And God says, you know what? It's, it's okay if there's some difficult times. I want to be accepted. I don't want to be rejected. I want to blend in. I don't want to have to stand out. But he's teaching his disciples, look, we, we live a little bit differently. He continues on. Let's continue on. He says in verse number 24, Woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. He said, Be careful. Watch out for the desires of prosperity. There's nothing wrong with having money or having what you need. As a matter of fact, God is my heavenly Father. He wants me to have everything I need. But he says, Be careful when you start chasing money, when you start chasing riches. He said, This is not the way my people think. The next verse, he says, be careful when you start chasing pleasure, when it's all about the next party, the next vacation, the next acquisition. It's just about making life easier. Be careful about prosperity. Be careful about pleasure. And then he says, be careful about popularity. 
when all men speak good of you. He said, that's, that's not always the way it is in my kingdom. I live a little bit differently than you, John, and I know you have an eye for gold. I know that you want to be comfortable and you want to be secure and you want to have it, but don't, don't, don't strive for that. I know, and I'm going to give you God's thing. It's good to work and enjoy the blessing. I think it's wonderful when people take vacations. I think everybody ought to take time to come apart. Now, Jesus did that. He said, let's come apart and rest a while. There's nothing wrong with that. If you don't take time to come apart, you will come apart. Now, we got the Lopez's here that came apart too long, and I'm really bothered by it, but uh, that's why they're here this morning. So I'm just joking. We love these folks over here. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to take time to come apart, or you will come apart. But that's not my goal. Pleasure in this life should not be my pursuit, nor should popularity be my pursuit. God will sometimes uh, elevate you, your name, your position. People, you know, some of you, when you talk, we think it's E.F. Hutton, you know. Sometimes when you talk, you know, it's like me, you know, sometimes people talk in their sleep. I talk in other people's sleep every Sunday morning. <laughs> there are several folks who are successfully resting right now. You're not listening, and that's all right. I understand that. I'd, I'd fall asleep in my preaching too sometimes. Maybe all the time. I don't know. But nonetheless, we find, we find he says, look, this is, I live a little bit differently. Let's continue on with what we, what we see in the next verses that we read. Verse number 27. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you, and, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on one cheek, offer the other cheek also, the other also. And him that taketh away thy coat, will forbid him not to take thy coat also. But this is how we deal with our foes. I don't know about you, but what I just read right there, my flesh does not like that idea. There is nothing in me that says, now, being good to people that are good to me, no problem. If you're nice to me, I want to be nice to you. But being nice with people that are not nice to me, that's on another plane. And that's how God is asking us to live. I was speaking to someone today about someone who caught a lot of hurt to their life. And uh, they have now been removed from the position that they inflicted a lot of challenge on that person's life and their family, cost them all kinds of unbelievable grief. And I referenced them this morning, and that person said to me, he said, Pastor, it hurt me so bad, but I've been praying for that person every day. I've been asking God to bless them and to be good to them, because God's been good to me. And even though they meant it for evil, there's some good things that have come out of this difficult time. But I, I'm changing my attitude about that. I want to I wanna pray for them, and I want God to bless them, I want God to be good. And I thought, man, that is a fantastic testimony. And that's why that person can have the joy of the Lord, because they haven't done. If you've got someone that you're hurt with you, they've hurt you, and you will spend the rest of your life thinking about how bad it is, what they did to you, you're going to be drinking poison, hoping it hurts the person who hurt you. And who's getting hurt in this process? There are many people who have bitter, bitter sisters and bitter brothers, bitter sons and bitter daughters, and bitter moms and bitter dads and grandparents because they won't get over a hurt that experienced to them. So many Christians, and it grieves me. And here's why Jesus talked to us. He said, look. He said, we, we live differently. Instead of hating our enemies, we love them. Instead of getting angry with them, uh, we try to be good to them. He said, if they come and they take your coat off of you, well, give them your shirt too. Don't keep them from taking your shirt. 
He said, if, if there's something needs to be done, it, it, it basically teaches us to take the high road of kindness and generosity with people who don't deserve it. You know, un, unfortunately, uh, I don't deserve God's goodness to me either. Do you deserve it? Aren't you glad? And even the song we sang this morning, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, what? Forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. No one has ever hurt me and no one has ever hurt you as bad as you have hurt Jesus. No one took all your clothes off and hung you naked on a cross, beat you to a pulp, embarrassed you in front of your mother and your family members, and, and then the pain and the infliction, the making fun of, it, it didn't stop. No one ever did it to you. And if Jesus would do that for my sin, then I can love my enemies. I can let it go. And when you forgive someone, I was speaking to a precious person recently, and they said to me, Pastor, just when I see that person, it hurts me so bad because they did something. They took something from me that they had no right. They hurt me so bad. They pulled back something in my life that it should not have been, and they, and they hurt me so bad. And my heart went out to them. I agreed. But I said, you know, I think you, the only, the only God's only plan for conflict is forgiveness. And that dear friend said, you know, I haven't, I haven't gone there. I've continued to hold animosity and anger and vengeance toward that person. Pastor, I can't, I'm a Christian, but I haven't gone there. I haven't asked God to forgive them. I need to do that. Now, that's my friend, but I have seen in their eyes and their countenance that they're heavy. They're, every time I see them, they're carrying something heavy. And if they will forgive their offender, there's two people that will be released their offender, and them. Yeah, there's two people that get released whenever you, And the forgiveness means to send it away. So many people have kept it close. And when they close their eye at night, that's who they think about. And it eats them up so much they're trying to find peace through pills. They wouldn't have to have the pills if they, if they had the peace. But it hurts too bad on the inside, and they don't want to send it away. They want to keep it close. And dear friend, I, I'm not saying anything about medication. Some folks need it. But I will just tell you, sometimes peace will come when you take your care and your hurt and you make it prayer. Then you can have peace, a pastoral understanding. Jesus is telling his servant, this is a servant's way to live, far different than what we do. Let's continue. Can we please? You look at the next verse, verse number, verse number 31 and uh, verse 39, 30, I'm sorry. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and to him that taketh away thy goods, ask him not again. This is, this is really off the radar of the way I want to live. But this is God's way. And as ye would that men would do unto you, do also, uh, do you also to them likewise. He said, this is that golden rule. You do to others, not what they deserve, but what you would appreciate if it came to you. Look at the next one. For if ye love them which love you, what think, what think have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And so if you do good to them which are good to you, then what think have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them whom ye hope to receive, what think have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners, receiving much again. Then verse 35, can you read it with me, everyone together? But love your enemies, do good to 
and lend, hoping nothing again. He is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil, but be, be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. He's going to tell them, he's going to listen. He said, I want you to be good to your foes. Even people that are against you, I want you to love them. And then for your fellows, brothers and sisters, if someone wants to get something from you, in your mind, you need to say, if I can't, if I can't give it, I probably shouldn't loan it. And if I loan it, I have to understand if I don't get it back, it's okay. Well, there are some folks in this room. I don't know who you are, but if you're like me, sometimes you've loaned something and you never came back. And it really ticks you off. It bothers you. And it, sometimes it can bother you for months and for years. And sometimes for a whole life. He goes, look, if you loan something to someone and they don't give it back, you've got to get in your mind, okay, that, that may happen. And if it happens, I'm okay with it. I am not going to continue to push. And you say, Pastor, that's not fair. That's biblical. That's the new way that God wants us to live. That's the way God lives with us. Aren't you glad God didn't make you pay for all your sins? Do you think you're going to heaven is fair when we've sinned against God so grievously? No, it's not fair. For him to die, the innocent die for us, the guilty, that's not fair. For us to forgive someone something they've hurt us, he said, look, this is, this is my way. This is the servant's way to think. As we continue this tonight, he'll go on to say a little bit, he said, now look, be merciful to people. Rather than they coming after them with a, with a sledgehammer, be gracious to people. He says, judge not that you be not judged. This is in context. He said, look, you, you don't know everyone's motives. There's no way you could know, and I could know what's going on behind your brown or blue eyes or hazel eyes. I wouldn't know for sure. I can't evaluate your motives. He says, so be careful that you're not casting judgment. I know why you did that. No, you don't know why they did that. You don't always know what's going on. Sometimes hurting people hurt people. Every once in a while, there's some, some difficult things happen, and I, and I realize that person, what happened just now is not the problem. It's a symptom. There's some deep hurt going on. Someone else is the unresolved hurt there, and that's why they're struggling in this area. And we need to learn to say, God, you're merciful to me, I'll be merciful to others. You're in judgment, you remember mercy, then I'm going to be careful. I'm going to give other people the benefit of the doubt. Could I give you an assignment this afternoon before we come back to church tonight at 6 o'clock? Would you read the rest of the chapter? Read the rest of the chapter and think about how God wants us to think differently, about our foes and about our fellows, our brothers and sisters, and then about even our own faults. You'll see that in the rest of the chapter.